When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, sometimes I cover a lot of topics that I realize are somewhat redundant or they overlap or they tend to occur over and over again because they're common themes. But I think one of the things that's so interesting to me right now in the the phase of the botanical style aquarium or botanical natural aquarium, whatever you want to call this, that we do is that there's so many people kind of coming into this and, and, and converting, if you will, or or just a, a experimenting with and having fun with it because it's all about fun. And there's still a lot of questions because obviously the people, whenever they jump in, they'll, they'll embrace the material that's out there in the community. They'll read our blogs from, you know, years or months past or whatever. But, you know, it, it depends when you catch this stuff and when you absorb these things. So uh, I can't always assume that everybody knows everything and they're up to speed on the most current things that we're talking about. So from time to time, we go back and we discuss some ideas. Now, one of the things we discussed a lot here is how botanicals begin to break down and decompose and what their impact is on the overall ecosystem of the botanical style aquarium. Now, this is fundamental, of course. Now, the first thing to think about is that leaves and seed pods and all that other botanical materials are more or less ephemeral in nature. In other words, as soon as you place these terrestrial materials in the water, they start to recruit bacterial biofilms, fungal growths, and slough off some of their outer tissues and impart any bound up lignans, tannins, and organics and nutrients into the water. They start breaking down. The biofilms and the organic materials become an integral part of the closed ecosystem of the aquarium. And as such, they influence the water chemistry and the nutrient load, if you will. Now, at first you think to yourself, damn, all this shit can take my water quality south really fast. Well, sure, it could if you add too much, go too fast, and are lax on other basic aspects of aquarium husbandry, like if you don't stock your aquarium properly, if it's under uh, under filtered, under circulated, you don't conduct regular water exchanges, if you use filter media, if you don't replace it, etc., etc. basic stuff. Now, if you add botanical materials in a patient measured manner, which is particularly important in an established stable aquarium, the bacterial population, the higher organisms, and ultimately your fishes will have the opportunity to consume the food byproducts produced by the botanical material as it breaks down. This is all part of the game. And this process, which should make sense to everybody who study the nitrogen cycle and closed aquarium husbandry management, typically generates more questions to the uninitiated people to our concept. It, it can be a bit counterintuitive. I mean, we're talking about throwing a whole bunch of botanical stuff into an otherwise clean, and I use that in air quotes, a clean tank. Yeah. Now, apart from, you know, what botanicals do I use to create a, you know, insert your favorite, you know, biotope here, the most common questions that we receive here at Tannin is, do I leave the botanicals in my tank uh, and let them break down, or do I take them out? And of course, the simple answer is, it's your call. <laughs> it's an important question. 
how we answer it, how we work with it has fundamental implications for how we operate our botanical style aquariums. I hate to always fall back on aesthetics, but because that seems to be the most shallow version of everything we do. But it is about your aesthetic preferences as much as it's about the long-term health of the aquarium. I'm a function-first hobbyist, but a lot of people like the aesthetics, and they put that, they prize that highly. I get it. It's a decision that each one of us makes based on our tastes, our management style, and how much of a mental shift we've made into accepting the transient nature of botanical-style aquariums and their function. There's really no right or wrong answer here. I mean, I'll tell you there's a right answer, but it's my opinion. (laughs) It's all about how much you enjoy what happens naturally versus what you feel like you have to control in your tank. Control is a big deal for a lot of people. I tend to favor nature, but that's just me. I like the idea of leaving materials in my aquarium until they break down completely. Like a long, long time ago, I made that mental shift to a philosophy which sort of says, hey, it's okay to have some decomposing stuff and biofilms and detritus in your tank. It's natural looking and it facilitates natural biological functions. That's kind of my philosophy. Now, the caveat here is I didn't just give myself permission to neglect tanks or to avoid basic husbandry. That's not what the thought process was about. I know we've touched on this before quite recently. That wasn't the point. The point is to accept that natural materials breaking down in our aquariums can provide fuel for the biological processes which create long-term stability in a closed system. Very fundamental stuff. Now, like any other type of aquarium, a botanical-style aquarium relies on time-honored practices of maintenance, nutrient export, and attention from the aquarist. It's not about benign neglect. However, one thing that we have that a lot of types of systems don't have is an abundance of potential food sources for all sorts of organisms up and down the food chain which reside in our tanks. We're very much creating a little microcosm, and it needs to respect the checks and balances which nature imposes. And of course, we can't ever lose sight of the fact that we're creating and adding to a closed ecosystem, and that our actions, is how we manage our tanks, have to map to our ambitions, our tastes, and the regulations that nature imposes on us. Look, nature doesn't really care. She'll absolutely kick your ass if you don't pay attention to husbandry. I guarantee that, full stop. Allowing plants and fishes, shrimp, bacteria, all those organisms to have the chance to utilize the decomposing botanicals in their life cycle is an important part of the game. Being overly fastidious about siphoning out every speck of dirt or botanical materials that breaks down is overkill in my opinion. And it can be just as detrimental as, you know, not doing anything. Uh, And that's something, again, we talked about, we talked about this fairly recently, but it's something that we still need to kind of hit on. Nature strikes a balance. Nature thrives on efficiency. When you're adding botanical materials to a tank, you're not just doing aquascaping. You're laying down the operational groundwork, the, 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 the foundation of the biological operating system of your aquarium. And as such, you need to think big picture here, that whole functional aesthetic thing. It's not just about looks. And while we're talking about adding botanicals, from time to time, I do need to revisit the what I call the doomsday scenarios that could occur. Now look, it's important to note that the very, very few, and I say very few, I'm talking about Tenon has now been around since 2015. I can literally count on the fingers of one hand the number of disaster scenarios that people have gotten to me, uh, you know, come back at me with saying, oh my God, my tank crashed after I added botanicals from you guys. What happened? And 99% of the time, it's only happened under a few situations or combinations of them. And, and here's what they are. I mean, the first thing would be 
the Aquarius did not prepare anything as instructed. The reason we tell you to prepare stuff, I've talked about this a million times here on this podcast and elsewhere. We'll talk about it again. The reason why we ask you to prepare materials is because they're dirty. <laughs> they're from external terrestrial sources and as such may have dust, pollutants, uh, you know, sugars, spiders, all kinds of stuff bound up on their surface tissues, things you don't want in your aquarium. So the preparation aspect is super important. And when you don't add when you don't prepare them, you're basically adding whatever surface pollutants are, are on these botanicals into your tank. Not really a good idea. Again, you're not talking about putting them in a lake. You're talking about putting them in your, you know, 50-gallon aquarium. The other thing, the other disaster, doomsday scenario is that some people add a really huge amount of you know, botanicals relative to the water volume, and they add it all at one time. Well, when the botanicals make up 60% of the aquarium's capacity, there's going to be a problem. <laughs> this is particularly prevalent in small tanks. you got to go slowly. This is, again, not something that's unique to what we do. It's not rocket science. You just have to think through it logically. The third scenario that we've seen is when people add a lot of botanicals to an established aquarium in a really short period of time, like within a couple of days. So you have an aquarium that's humming along, running great. Maybe it's fully populated with fishes, looks great. You... you you know, you order your botanicals from Tannin or for somebody else or whatever, dump them all into the tank at one time. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you have a huge influx of, you know, essentially what amounts to bio load uh, into an established aquarium? The bacteria are going to struggle to keep up with the demand. Now, again, typically what happens is you'll see fishes gasping at the surface for oxygen, which becomes rapidly depleted because of this large influx of materials breaking down, which can overwhelm your biological, you know, filtration capacity, if you will. So usually the rescue consists of, you know, vigorous aeration, a succession of water changes, removing the botanicals, adding some activated carbon, that kind of stuff. The typical emergency fixes for problems of this nature. The reality is the best way to stop this, the best preventative is to go slowly, to consider the impacts of what you're doing. The reality is adding botanicals to your tank and using them, replacing them regularly, etc., etc., is no more dangerous than anything else we do as aquarists. You simply need to go slowly, apply common sense, follow our preparation instructions, and observe your tank carefully and understand what you're doing and, and what the idea behind using botanicals is. It's not, again, I say this again, it's not a style of aquascaping. It's a method of managing an aquarium in a more natural fashion. Now, doing what we say, is that a guarantee of success? Of course not. Could you have some weird combination of events, local water composition, overly sensitive fishes, whatever, which could give you a disastrous outcome? Of course. But you have to be careful. You have to be responsible and you have to be thoughtful. And yeah, of course, this stuff breaks down. And what happens when things break down in the water? It creates detritus. Now, we've talked about detritus many, many times and we've been told you know, for decades in the aquarium hobby that detritus is bad freaking news. Well, in the surface, the definition of detritus seems a bit, well, it does seem dangerous. It's defined as, you know, dead particulate organic matter that typically includes things like the bodies or fragments of dead organisms as well as fecal material. And it's, you know, that's not a great definition, right? Sounds kind of, kind of scary. Now, it's one of our most commonly used aquarium terms and one which, well, quite frankly, sends shivers down the spine of many aquarium hobbyists. And judging from that definition, it sounds like something you'd absolutely want to avoid having in your aquarium at all costs. I mean, dead organisms and fecal material is not everyone's idea of a good time, right? 
When you really think about it though, detritus is an important part of the aquatic ecosystem, providing fuel to microorganisms and fungi at the base of the food chain in tropical environments. In fact, in natural blackwater systems, for example, the food inputs into the water are channeled by decomposers like fungi, which act upon leaves and other organic materials in the water to break them down into detritus. And the leaf litter community of fishes, insects, fungi, and microorganisms is really important to these aquatic ecosystems because they assimilate terrestrial material into the aquatic system. And they act to reduce the loss of nutrients to the forest, which would inevitably occur if all the material which fell into the streams was simply washed away. So detritus-based ecosystems are very prevalent in nature. They're not unusual at all. Now, again, this sounds all well, good, and grandiose, but what are the implications of these processes and the resultant detritus for the closed aquarium system? Well, first off, let's admit that to a lot of people, the stuff just doesn't look that nice to us. And it's particularly why the recommendation, I believe, for the good part of the century or so we've kept aquariums is to siphon it the hell out. And that's good advice from an, you know, an aesthetic standpoint. And for that matter, from a husbandry standpoint, it gets you involved. Excessive amounts of accumulating waste materials can lead to increased phosphate, nitrate, and other potential problems, including blooms of nuisance algae, or emphasis on the word excessive here, which begs the question, what is excessive anyway? But think about it. The detritus that we've come to fear in the aquarium hobby, I think is a lot of fish poop and uneaten fish food. When we're talking about detritus from the breakdown of material that you want in the aquarium in the first place, I'm trying to see a real downside here. I don't see it. Now, most hobbyists simply don't have the time, the inclination, or an optimized system set up to take advantage of an accumulation of this stuff. Yes, to take advantage of it. However, with the importance of detritus in creating food webs and wild, like leaf litter communities and flooded forest communities, which we're now replicating in aquariums pretty commonly, could there be some benefit to allowing some of this stuff to accumulate, or at least not freaking the hell out and removing every single microgram of detritus as soon as it appears? Absolutely, I think so. Is this another one of those long-held aquarium truisms that for, you know, 90% of what we do is absolutely the correct way to manage our tanks, but for which a small percentage of aquarists with the means, the curiosity, and the inclination to experiment could actually prove detrimental when you do it? I think so. I know that sounds like a bunch of you are probably sitting there thinking, okay, this guy's nuts. Uh, you know, accumulating detritus is bad news, is a recipe for problems or worth. And not only that, he has no idea of the implications of what he's suggesting. Well, as to the first part of your thought, I probably am a little bit crazy. It's, that's the way it goes when you're trying to innovate in the space of aquariums, right? On the other hand, I think I do have some idea of the implications of what I'm postulating here. First off, remember, I'm not suggesting that everyone throw away the siphons and just allow shit, literally, to accumulate in their aquarium substrate in the interest of creating a food web. No, no, no. No, sir. It's not the point. What I am curious about is... If there is, and I believe there is, some benefit in a botanical-style aquarium of encouraging more fungal and microbial growth, utilizing, among other things, the organic detritus that is inevitably produced in a well-managed, well-populated aquarium. I mean, if you're doing water exchanges and removing uneaten food, should there be any, or dead fishes, or you know, aquatic plant leaves, whatever, you're already significantly reducing the food inputs available to the organisms at the low end of the food chain, right? So... In a typical aquarium, well-maintained with regular water exchanges and removal of detritus, our fishes are almost 100% dependent upon us for food, right? We've created a dependency. 
there's usually very little for them to forage on in most aquariums other than the occasional algal film, assuming they're herbivores, maybe a particle of uneaten food, maybe a, 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 a you know, a, a minute copepod or infusoria or something of that nature that's out there in the, in the, in the water column. So, you know, creating this militant near sterility in our aquariums, which do at least superficially resemble true ecosystems might actually be detrimental to the fishes in some way, right? I mean, you're removing a component of a natural cycle and replacing it with a high octane shotgun approach substitute of just taking everything out, right? Not always good. Can it be said that this actually creates perhaps an unnecessary dependency of sorts on human intervention? I think so. At the very least, we're actually making the management of aquariums more challenging by sort of fighting nature and simply not thinking through this all the way. Now, doesn't nature, if left to her own devices, tend to keep excesses of all sorts more or less in check? Usually. Now, I'm not suggesting to abandon all husbandry practices, of course. I'm not saying just walk away from your tanks. We've talked about that. Yes, these tanks are resilient, and most tanks are, but that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm just suggesting that we think about the hows and whys a little more perhaps with a little bit of a different viewpoint, looking at natural aquatic ecosystems, seeing what happens and looking at the analogies to what we do. So perhaps, maybe, is there just some merit of leaving a bit of detritus in the system, say in the leaf litter bed, to help fuel the fungal and microorganism growth that forms the basis of our little ecosystems? I mean, think of some possible benefits to our aquariums. Having a more complete assortment of fungi and microorganisms could lead ultimately to a more stable, more efficient aquarium, right? Yeah, I realize that an aquarium is not an open system with huge volumes of water throughput, replenishment by rain, and pulses of materials being added to the system. However, we do replicate some of these processes via water exchanges, filter media replacement, etc., etc. So why don't we do more? By like, well, letting some stuff break down in situ, allowing a bit of detritus to accumulate, letting the fishes and other organisms utilize it as food. Yes, food. And maybe biological supports, uh, a biological support system which can process nutrients, nitrate, and phosphate via bacterial growth. So it makes sense to let some of this material remain in our tanks, right? Look, if you're not wiping out a percentage of the ecosystem's primary decomposers and food sources every week with ultra-intense maintenance, wouldn't there perhaps be some advantages? And don't a lot of young fishes consume, and I use the word loosely, infusoria as part of their initial diet, small you know, microorganisms? Wouldn't it make sense to have larger populations of some of these organisms available to our fishes at all times in the aquarium to supplement the artificial diets that we feed them? Could the fry-rearing system of the future be a tank with a big bed of decomposing leaf litter and terrestrial soil substitutes? Much like what we've done in the reef aquarium world over the past few decades, I think that those of us who play in this little niche of freshwater need to look at our systems more holistically and consider each component of the aquarium as an integral part fulfilling valuable roles. How we get there is the fun part. There's lots of different approaches. Much like the old uh, you know, sand beds and live rock and, and coral tissue that we talk about in the reef aquarium world, can a bed of botanicals and leaf litter and, you know, form a, a, a beneficial ecosystem which can accomplish even denitrification, among other things. And in a deep layer of materials like that, do you have to replace them all the time or do you just let the stuff stay? Is it, is, does, you know, decomposing leaf litter become a maintenance liability? Or could it be considered a carbon source, the freshwater equivalent of what they used to call bio pellets to fuel 
you know, beneficial bacterial growth within the system, creating really excellent nutrient processing capacity as opposed to being some sort of destroyer of water quality. Could we be missing something? Could it actually be that a, a you know, layer of botanicals and leaves is actually a key to creating a biologically stable aquarium once you, you know, get it going if the overall husbandry is good too? I think so, perhaps. At the very least, just looking at our botanicals and leaves and the resulting decomposition, the detritus and organics as a fuel for beneficial processes is something worth doing in my opinion. It's time for more work. We don't have all the answers yet. We have a lot of ideas. You hear a lot of you know neat things talked about here. A lot of it's speculation. A lot of it's just looking at our tanks and saying this is working and asking ourselves why and maybe referring to some scientific literature or ecological studies on what happens in wild ecosystems. When you start drawing those parallels, when you start thinking through what we do and the analogs to what happens in nature, it unlocks a lot of cool ideas. Now, it may indeed be true that the expression about one person's trash is someone else's treasure, you know, leaving that stuff in that we think is so unsightly is actually manna from heaven for the organisms that process it and the organisms that ultimately build the ecosystem that benefits all of our fishes. So maybe that could be part of our mantra as we move forward. We might very well treasure our decomposing leaves and the associated biosha that they bring. I, I think that's the key to the future. <laughs> stay curious. Stay grounded. Stay diligent. Stay progressive. Stay excited. Stay logical about this stuff. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Bellman from Ten and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Ten.